to the DNA Podcast. I'm your host, T.P. and join with me, as always, is my lovable, my adorable, my dependable co-host, Mr. Kevin Bobbins. Kevin. That's me. Hi. Hi. Hello. Welcome. Uh, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we have a fun episode. We are talking, and we get, and I've gotten to experience it, and Kevin is actually going to be experiencing this as well. Uh, we are going to be talking about vampires, and not just vampires in general. We're talking about Vampires the Masquerade. We are going to be talking about the LARPing experience, the live-action role-playing uh, scenario. Uh, and because I am no expert in this area, I am no guru, and Kevin, your nerdy knowledge extends to me. They don't like much. garlic. They they don't like garlic. That is true. Well, I don't know. We, that we might be wrong there. We're thinking classic vampires here. But we have two amazing guests on the show. One has been on uh, another guy that has been on a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Uh, from Classic Gaming Brothers podcast, we have Seth here. That's right. And because we had to counter out Seth, we brought somebody who is absolutely <laughs> charming. Uh, he is English, so yeah. no matter what he says tonight. It's just going to be silky smooth, and we're just going to absolutely believe it. And he's um, not my brother. And he's not your brother, too. <laughs> so we great. have Sam. Uh, Hi. So, gentlemen, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Thank um, you for having us. To talk about something that you guys are absolutely uh, passionate about. Uh, a very fun, very unique uh, experience. Uh, Vampires the Masquerade. Uh, and so how we got into this episode is uh seth reached out to me he just it was was it last month some maybe a couple months, two months ago, ago maybe two, two months, months ago. ago yeah two months ago and said hey do you want to do vampires the masquerade uh and i was like you know what i have always wanted to do it now i like my knowledge has always been i i, I think the god all right you know what we have the gaming guy here when did bloodlines come out Oh, geez. Um, putting you on the spot. 2002 release, I think. Was it 02? I thought it was. It was I thought shortly, it was shortly before before Half Life was, Two because it uses the Source engine. It, no, but yeah, I think it. But I think it came out after the Half Life Two Source engine. Oh, but it's... I, I want to say it's. I want to say, but you might be right. Um, they dates of me. I'm like, I they're like a sieve. But, Seth, you you can't let the guy who's not a yeah, podcast host for gaming yeah. out nerd yeah. you on gaming. It's fine. It's fine. My my knowledge is I, like I a, have it's other like a, nerdy expertise. Areas it's it's, it's a it's like a very um it's like a very thin like a lake. You know, like it's only a couple inches deep. It's it's broad. It's a big lake, but my knowledge doesn't go that deep. I know Vampire Bloodlines is a game. I've played it. Um, um it, 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 then there was also there was also Vampire Redemption, which came out before Redemption. that, which there was, was yeah. garbage. Um, and then <laughs> I, and then I, there I, is also, you know, Bloodlines, I think was officially released around the early 2000s but I don't think okay. it was playable until about 2008 That sounds about right. Yeah. Patched. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds about right. Um so but that that's pretty much what was my experience from this. And and I have the RPG books because I am very much like any other nerd, I am a oh. hoarder of all the RPGs that I can possibly get my hands on. At, at November of 2004, when it was released, Ooh. and I said 05, Ooh. and Ooh. Sam said 02. Oh, oh, so yeah, you were, I, I you were be, correct. All right, correct. more correct you to, than I You was. get to keep November your podcast. November of 04, which I bought it in 05. <laughs> 
I think I didn't play it till I'm not gonna lie. I don't think I played it till like 2009 or 2010. I, I, yeah. I played it. I played it a few like I want to say six months ago. I Did was you? playing it. Yeah, they, oh, man. They, it's, it's one of those games that you modded support. You reinstall it, you try the new mods out, and then suddenly yeah. you're playing a whole playthrough again. It's, yeah. it's one of those 100%. games. Yeah, there's some serious modding community behind it. There is. Uh, didn't uh, didn't Tara Strong do a voice for it or something? Didn't she do Jeanette or something like that? Jeanette. Well, oh, that sounds familiar. Um, she, 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 she does. does like, I mean, it was a game which actually had really good voice acting, which was pretty yeah. uncommon for like 2004. Same. Um, but the whole point of this is, that's one is one tangent. Oh, yeah, we're, mm-hmm. we'll do a few of these tonight. Um, <laughs> is is that was my experience. It, it was, and it's this is a unique game because it has, and the from what I can tell, the video game itself did a the RPG book side a, a decent justice of a. Uh, yeah, conversion 100%, 100%. process 100% um, you have almost a I don't want to say cyberpunk feel to it but it has that punky goth feel um, it has the lost boy feel it, it it is grasping at a lot of different of the vampire genres the Anne Rice the Nosferatu uh, which they actually have a Nosferatu mm-hmm. uh, clan which is what they call your the the different types of races of vampires and i'll and we'll right. get let you guys get into this because this is your guys area um but it, it's it grabs at a lot of different things and it was a very fun rpg game a pc game that i wanted to play the rpg at some time never could really find anybody and kind of like many other things in my life as you know of nerdy culture has just collects dust and then you reached out to me a couple months ago mm-hmm. and go, hey, you want to play this? And I was like, you know what? Somehow I have free time. Let's do this. <laughs> uh, I don't know where it came from, but it, it was magically there. And you've introduced me to this just connoisseur of lore and just a, an artist in his own endeavors. Truly, Sam, you. you really, really are. <laughs> Thank you. Um, who just create like he he took my ideas and i and i made a joke of my character and said he said what do you want to what you, what's your background of your character i was like well wouldn't it be funny as a podcast host because i want to do an episode on this made my character used to have a podcast about and, and the, the ones that are always out there that drive me crazy i i don't understand why people like them i'm not judging people but i just like is those murder podcasts. I don't, I can't get behind <laughs> them. It's like, like, hey, you want to hear how somebody got stabbed today? <laughs> Not really, no, but you're going to tell me anyways. But, you know, it's, they're, they're, they're popular. They're, there's something about them. They are very popular. <laughs> ridiculously popular. And I was like, all right, wouldn't that be funny if that's how I accidentally became a vampire is I was doing a I think I called it, it's called Body Bar, Body Bag Guardians was the name of the podcast. Great name. Right? <laughs> and... We should start a podcast called Body Bag Guardians. <laughs> All right. It, this has been recorded. So we we have a copy written right now. Body That's Bag right. Guardians is ours. Um, but it's, it, and I was like, all right. And I still want to be a podcast host. Like I still want to do the podcasting thing. And so we built this whole character uh, who's a Torador and 
just came of this. And I was like, all right, cool. Got a great backstory. That's where I thought my backstory ended. No, Sand took it to like the nth yeah, level crazy. and gave me all sorts of stuff. Like I might as well have a social security number for uh, Miles <laughs> Tapper at this point. Yeah. Uh, it's very passionate about this thing. And, and so I came and I did this experience. Um, and it was, it's, it's different. Like it is a different kind of thing. Uh, I've never done LARPing before that I can, I've done role-playing, I've done D&D. So it, I, I thought, okay, I have experience. I've got this. And I went in there and there's, there's not many times I feel like going back to like the, 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 I don't want to say like the awkward days of high school and everything you're like, mm. oh, standing in the corner, not sure what to do with yourself. Like you go to the middle school prom and you're just like, guys are on one side, girls on the other, just looking at each other kind of vibe. But it was, it, I didn't know what to do with myself. And I was like, wow, this is a new experience. Like everybody's role playing and I'm sitting there going, I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, but it's, it's, it was fun. You guys were very warm. You're very welcoming. And then you, you got me into it. You know, you guys yeah. started bringing me over and everybody was talking and as their characters. And it was a blast of an experience so much so that I've convinced my very not nerdy co-host Kevin to uh, participate. Trying. Okay. <laughs> you are, you are, you are opening yourself to experiences and that is amazing. Like good for you, buddy. And Steve, Steve said, Hey, he told me a little bit about it. And if, after three times of mentioning, like, what did you do again? And he got, okay, it was a live action role playing event and it's a game. And, and he asked me a week or so later, Hey, I'm doing this thing again. You want to go? I'm like, why not? Let's try it. I, so I I've been playing since I was um, 15 and I'm uh, no longer 15 years old. Um, and I actually, um, I celebrated my, my 20th year of, of live action role-playing vamp, specifically vampire. It's happens this year. Um, so now people can do mental math and figure out how old I am. But anyway, um, I, there are still people I'm friends with. I haven't talked to them in years, but I can kind of jump into their, like, I can just start talking to them, whether it be on Facebook or Facebook Messenger or whatever, and they'll chat with me because I, I, I said it once, somebody was going through an, a nasty divorce and I was just trying to be there for them. And they, I said, you know, there's something like at the end of the day, like there's a connection that we have because we pretended to be vampires in a basement at one point in time in our life. And <laughs> like that kind of experience, it's this, this mutual uh consensus type of situation where you both have decided to do this you're both dressed up like and uh it's you get to really you could be very even though you're not you're pretending to be somebody else you get to know these people and that you could become pretty good friends with them and i'm still um probably some of my best friends are people that i've either uh, met or have larped with in the past so nice so let's backtrack this here a little bit oh sure um let's because we're sitting here talking about it let's assume a lot of people don't know about this let's which is and raise well, yeah <laughs> sam sir uh yes. i know there is a ton of lore to the vampires the masquerade uh, see, this is this is the biggest problem that we that we encounter that we we we, we can struggle with yeah with our game is white wolf has been running since the early 90s late 80s i think was when the first like vampire the masquerade book came out mm. and 
it has since expanded its world of darkness into every single supernatural creature you can imagine um with the same level of depth for each of them as they have with vampire and it is immense there are probably i mean the number of law books that are available the amount of history the amount of it's completely overwhelming yeah, novels <laughs> yeah novels if you try and take the thing it's i'd say it's it's on the scale of like warhammer 40,000 possibly even bigger in well, terms of the amount of law right and the amount of detail that's and trust really me I, I know <laughs> i know warhammer and it's wow <laughs> it's, it's you, probably you equally as poorly written <laughs> in some of it yes uh, yeah we don't and, talk about adb man that dude's yeah. a freaking saint you do not desecrate his name in our presence good sir uh but, or neil gaiman sir uh <laughs> creator of the guardians of the galaxy what um no, but there is. You're absolutely right. When you said that, there is a yeah. they have added other things. I do. So I own the 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 previous edition, and there are Werewolves the Awakening. There are the Changelings. There is the uh, or the I think it's something like mm -hmm. that. Uh, Poltergeist, Ghost. There is just yeah, right. you know you happen to be Joe Smo who was trying to solve a murder, and mm -hmm. turns out now you're involved in like this cabal of stuff. Uh, you you do have a lot of stuff. Um, so let's focus just on the the VTM side. Yeah. What so, is so what we, the we try and you try yeah. and narrow it down to is you you co you you try and focus people into just the part of the world that you want to represent, mm -hmm. and that's where where we focus started on is uh, vampire masquerade. Now, the the system we use is a system that was born because they uh, they first started doing like vampire live role play back in the nineties, and mm -hmm. I was there. <laughs> for that said says not. this is his 20th year i'm i'm this is my 27th year so <laughs> <laughs> i have a long experience of uh, of playing this and you know they developed this this larp system but it was very like first edition mm. it was very cumbersome and then they created this new system in like 2014 called the binance studio system which is much more streamlined much less ponderous the old system used to be terrified of getting into combat because you knew that would be the rest of your night <laughs> disappeared trying to work out the, the the ins and outs of the system the new one is very smooth and swift so seth was actually the one who started the game back in 2014 him and uh three of your buddies two so one of them you would count or not there was some yeah debate. That um, so the the game specifically that Sam runs, which is uh, New England Nightmares, and I'm sure we'll plug it a couple more times. Um, but it plays in Southington, Connecticut. Um, yep. and we actually have a website, n e n m dot club. Um, and I'm sure Steve will throw it in the show notes somewhere. Absolutely. Um, but uh, my uh, close friend Chris actually had the idea. He had the brainchild to create New England Nightmares. And it was back in 2013 or 2014. It was about seven, 2014. 2014. Yeah. So 2014, we decided to put it together. Um, and uh, I actually um, had a, a very similar conversation with him. Uh, he I said, I really want to play this clan. And Sam can understand where this conversation is going. But I said to Chris, I want to play this clan. And Chris said, no. And I said, well, then I'm going to be on staff. And that's how I ended up on staff. And then we invited our friend, uh, Dan, who also goes by the name of Lurch, 
um, because he's a, a tall and large man. Um, <laughs> but uh, we started it. We ran it. Uh, eventually, we ran it for a very long time. And we, uh, at some point in time, Sam joined and Sam played. And um, we ended up deciding, uh, Chris and I decided that we were going to step down. And about, what was it, maybe three or four years ago, we stepped down. I think it was and like 2018. 28, yeah, I think 2018. I was like buying a house and all sorts of stuff going on. Um, so Chris and I decided to step down. Uh, we stepped down and then uh, Lurch ran the game for another two years. And then yeah, with I joined I joined staff yeah. with at that point with Lurch and with another friend of ours, Eric. Um, but the the basic premise of the game is you're all vampires. All the players are one of the clans of vampires that there's each of them that follows a stereotype that you know you can play your favorite style of vampire if you want. So each clan is a little different, like the Toyador, like you're playing Steve, are, I would say, more of the Anne Rice-style vampires. Very artistic, very emotional, you know, they enjoy their pathos. Whereas... Uh, yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Whereas <laughs> what, where, where you're, you, where you, you're interested in playing, Kevin, is the, the literal, like, first appearance of the vampires on screen, the, the Count Orlock, you're thinking the original, like, 1920s Nosferatu movie and they have a clan who are just as ugly as count orlock and who dwell in the sewers so they have (laughs) they have uh stereotypes of every type of vampire you can want to play and the idea is that vampire the 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 title vampire the masquerade is because the the highest law in vampiric society is the law of the masquerade which is you don't reveal yourself to mortals because otherwise they're going to find where we sleep during the day and pull us out. <laughs> so, so whilst, you know, vampires, so vampires operate a strict code of anonymity and that's sort of the, but they control and manipulate mortal society from behind the scenes. And the game you play is the politics of these vampires who are in, and their society and how they keep how they play their little games with one another. Because the whole idea is that you're immortal and you're unchanging. So the world changes around you, but you don't change. And it can get very unpleasant. So they find ways, they play games with each other. They, they've, they forged like hundreds, centuries long rivalries and they play games to conquer and take territory from one another just in order to not deal with the fact that they're not going to change forever. So it's a kind of, the idea behind the game is what's, it's described as a supposedly sort of personal horror, but not kind of, you know, the jump scare horror or stuff like that. But the idea that, you know, you are this immortal creature who is alien to the world that he used to know. (laughs) And it's how you adapt to that. And it's how you, control the nature of your because all vampires have this side to them called the beast which is the animalistic predator that can take over if they allow their humanity to slip away too fast so the idea behind the game is it's this supposed this very emotional pathos kind of game 
and yes. that's supposed to be about like inward reflection and you know moral consideration of how far can you go before you lose yourself you can play a character that fully embraces this new vampirism uh, or absolutely rejects it to their best yes. abilities either way you can play any kind of any kind of character that you like yeah but the idea is that um you're part of a hierarchy so there are always bigger vampires so the sort of core concept behind the um the whole sort of background of the world of the vampires is that they're all descended from the first murderer cain the biblical cain and Cain is this legendary, never-seen figure that is supposedly was the progenitor of all of the vampires. And then from his children came the 13 clans of vampires. And then from each of them, they created new vampires. And the idea is that each vampire has what's called a generation. And the lower your generation, the closer you are to Cain. And in many ways, the more powerful you are, but also the more inhuman you are, the more disconnected you are. Sleepier. And the, more, the more inflexible you are, you, you can't change as easily. Whereas the higher your generation, the more you can connect with humanity, the, the more you can influence mortals more effectively. So it becomes a game of the old versus the young as well. So there's now, all sorts of levels to it that's fun to play with. Now, when you say the generation, do you mean like, Am I a first or second? Is that considered like well, first generation first is Cain. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Okay, so first generation is Cain. It's Cain. Like, all right. So if I'm seventh generation versus am, am I eleventh generation? Well, what yes. they so so what okay. those generally those that are eleven to thirteen generations removed from Cain mm. are called are known as neonates. Okay, they're the ones considered like the lowest blood. There are. 14th and 15th generation vampires but they're mostly rejected by society because they're they're called the thin bloods cool and they're kind they're, of they're too far <laughs> they're too far so they're they're they're, they're normally like they're, they're the weakest kind of vampire and they're, nobody they're, really likes them they're actually um there's a there's a plot in bloodlines um where you go and meet a bunch of um vampires on the beach in oh, santa monica yes. and they're all they're all they're all thin they're... bloods because they're thin bloods and they don't they don't some of them may even be able to tolerate sun for a little bit um but they are also known in the game world as harbingers of gehenna or the end times so yes, people everyone. generally don't like in vampire they tend if they don't like something vampires tend to ignore it and that's, or try and wipe it out or that's, try to that's wipe their it two out. responses generally to stuff yes. they don't that's, like. but <laughs> so it's very extreme like hey we either <laughs> pretend you don't exist or no you don't exist <laughs> yeah, <Bye>. exactly <laughs> depending on how big of a problem you are um, but so then what? you drop down the generations and yeah. in our game the lowest generation you can play is a uh, sixth generation okay. and that's considered to be a luminary elder and that's where you have some of the most powerful abilities in the game. And at the same time, you have some of the biggest restrictions on what you can do. And, the, and also the game is based on an experience points. So you earn experience points after every game and you can buy abilities and powers and all that stuff with experience points. The okay. reason we all play these games and 
the lower generation you are, the more cost prohibitive, prohibitive things are to buy. So where if I was playing a high generation character, I could buy backgrounds or like influences at a pretty cheap clip, where if I was a sixth generation character, it would cost me possibly double or triple what it would cost for somebody who is higher generation, which makes it it's a balancing play, right? So there's just because if if there was no drawback to playing a sixth generation character, everyone would just make a sixth generation character. Everybody's elder vampires. Yeah, that's awesome. So so they get some of the most powerful abilities in the game, the sixth generation, but they have to spend a lot more XP to get there. Mm. And the role play aspect of well is it is of it as well is that you are you're all the more inhuman. The lower your generation, you're all the more detached. What was it about this game that it, we'll start with? I'll start with Seth, and then we'll go to Sam with sure. this. Um, what was it about this game that brought you to it? I mean, yeah, so, yeah I'll just leave it right there. Yeah. So, fun story. Um, I can credit my parents to both my D and D and Vampire to being Shut played up. it. Um, my um, I started playing D and D when I was twelve. My father just dropped me off at a comic book store and said, "Have at it." <laughs> um and picked me up four hours later um and have been playing regularly since then as i'm you're also a big fan of D, so i'm sure you understand and then uh and when i was 15 um my we had some family friends um who played vampire and my mom was like hey dan who's a family friend of ours plays this uh not dan lurch another dan um plays this uh, vamp he plays this role-playing game at ccsu actually and he's like she's like do you want to go and experience it and i was like sure and it was a, a vampire dark ages game so it was set in the roman times and i had a blast i met a bunch of people and i kept coming back i it could have been to be honest like it wasn't vampire that drew me to it hmm. um it was really the going to that experience and having such a good time and then just never stopping. Um, I just, I love the people who I met and I really, it could have been like, we could have been pretending to be anything really to be in retrospect. It could have been, it could have been anything real at the end of the day. Um, And I probably would have still, I would have been just as passionate. Um, But I really, I really love vampire because of that. And the, the people I've met along the way, um i'm my officiant i met through vampire for my wedding so like it's like it really touched me in a lot of ways um and i think the fun thing was though when i played D, i was very much a, a rules lawyer i still am like i know the rules inside and out and i'll call anybody and i identified that even as when i was 15 i was like i have a problem when it comes to like these <laughs> being a rules lawyer and not really appreciating the game for what it is and so mm. i went into vampire and i said i'm not going to buy any of the books i'm literally going to read other people's copies of the books and i'm going to and to this day i still don't have a very significant vampire library because i didn't buy any copies of the books because i didn't want to be an asshole so that's that's understandable 
So I, mean, I have learned vampire and I've learned mythos from just from like oral tradition from pe sitting with people like Sam or sitting with my my friends. Not I didn't know Sam when I was a child, but um, but sitting with my friends at the time. Wrong country. Um, and yeah, you're, you're <laughs> in England. Um, but and really learning the oral history of it and getting to a point where I played it long enough now that I kind of can teach it myself but that's awesome yeah but that's why i play it it could have been whatever it could have been let's pretend to be robots or something and i'd be <laughs> pretending to be robots <laughs> who knows so, so, so i'm curious because and, and this is not me mocking your your childhood or yeah. anything like that but did your when your dad took you to the comic book shop did, was yeah. it just like he tried you tried playing sports of, he was like yeah hey, it was out suck. of frustration <laughs> it, was, it wasn't because suck i sports. sucked i refused to play I refused to, he would bring me to places. He would trick me. He would yeah. say, he would say, I'm going to bring you somewhere special today. And he would, <laughs> and we would go and we would go to like a karate studio, a T-ball mm. field. And I'd just be like, I ain't doing this. And I'd sit in the car. And so then one day he's just like, I'm just going to bring him to a comic book store. <laughs> and he brought me to a comic book store. I'm like, this is great. And then play D&D &D and I've been playing it ever since. Uh, so going to you, Sam, sir. Mm -hmm. Um, what is your origin story when it comes to uh, Vampires of the Masquerade? I almost said Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> uh, I, I I started playing uh, when I was like 19 years old. Okay. Which was like uh, 1996. Um, I first started uh, with Vampire, and that was um, at a game in London. Um, they ran, it was a live action game that they ran at this, uh, this big old house in the center of London, uh -huh. um, down like this. And then there was another, we'd play on a different day of the month at this, um, pub down this really dingy back alley. That was, that was great fun. Cause we'd end up spilling out into the, <laughs> into the alleyways to play and like people walking past would, uh, would give us a wide berth. <laughs> it sounds so much cooler you saying i played vampires the masquerade in london like no matter what yeah i mean it's just still a city it's still the same thing no matter like if you go to boston if you go to freaking here mm -hmm. in southington but you said i'm playing it in london and i automatically everything becomes gray and foggy and becomes more well, like gothic is. looking <laughs> yes, well yeah well, i've been is, to, yeah. i've been to the UK <laughs> that's what it times. is like in london it is yeah. like then the areas we were in were always you know these these gray gothic buildings and stuff like that so so the atmosphere atmosphere was great um and the game was really good really good fun um and i played it for for many many years like about 7 years i think i played um before I went on and did other kinds of live role play. Like I mm. did like uh, Boffle Up. I used to go to these big festivals um, and and do like big festival level, like fantasy gaming with like 6,000 other people in a field. In, and, uh, you know, insane. we did huge, LARP is way bigger in the UK. Yeah. Oh yeah. Europe. Like it's immense. There they, and it's they full on, it it's there. full on, fully, fully immersive kind of stuff that we go for. Um, and I, I helped run several games. I helped run, write several games. We did, and I've done like live role play games in all kinds of different genres and styles. Cyberpunk. I did. We did like this Victorian, Victorian supernatural investigations at one point that was like so British it was painful. 
<laughs> we actually you had, there were actually skills in the game called stiff up a lip uh, <laughs> <laughs> um i just recently actually so as soon as you said something about it being big and over anywhere but the u.s um i saw something i i don't know if it was like it's eastern european or what have you but there was this huge oh, yeah. larping group and they it, it was either just fantasy in general or lord of the rings and it was this entire group hardcore this uh, like cosplaying orcs like oh, they had God. a tribe and everything like they had it, it looked something straight out of, like lord of the rings like they had like the leather tents oh, and everything God. it was all crudely barbaric done and they cosplayed their their costumes looked like they were real like not real but you know real or orcs mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, that's so much fun. I want to do that. And I'm like, oh, that's not here in the United States. That's over in Europe. Yeah. We we I, do in the US do have some premium LARP experience like that. Hmm. There's a thing called Dragon Thrones. The and that is a premium LARP experience that occurs four times a year in the US. Hmm. Um the thing is with premium LARP experience versus I would say. Uh, your bread and butter down the street LARP experience is that um, to do Dragon's Thrones, I believe it's 800 to 1200 for a weekend. So you're paying $800. That is $800. You stay in a castle and your food and room and board are taken care of, but it's 800 is the entry ticket and you can spend more. Um, and it's Cannon like, and will. yeah, and the people do have like cosplay, like really like amazing costumes because they're people who have disposable income and can just spend twelve hundred dollars <laughs> on a costume. Don't um, have kids. Got it. Where <laughs> failed there. <laughs> where where uh, New England Nightmares is a little more. Uh, yeah, we 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 don't we, 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 Yeah, it, it, it's it's six bucks a game. <laughs> <laughs> And that's just to help rent the hole, basically. So, <laughs> so going back to your guys' group uh, and staying here in the United States, um, role-playing itself, all right, I, I have a decent amount of RP experience. What I thought I had RP experience because I have DM'd forever. And I so much so I actually made a joke to my wife that I'm just going to get it tattooed on me as the forever DM. And... <laughs> We negotiate it, and I'm, I'm not getting that tattoo, but, you know, I'm getting some D&D stuff. Uh, but it was a whole different type of... You were... There, there is a different level of RP when it comes mm. to LARPing. It I, is a whole different beast. I think the best way to... That I, I was trying to think about a way to sort of summarize the difference of it. When you're playing a tabletop game, yeah, stuff happens to you because the DM is there and the DM directs it to happen to you. Um, a LARP game is more like either like a sandbox game, or, or the other thing you might say is that it's the sort of interactivity like in an escape room. So if you sit there, nothing will happen. That's true. There is <laughs> that's that's and a lot of people do, and then a lot of people say, "Oh well, I was I didn't know what I didn't have anything to do," and it's like, well. The, with the, the, the stuff doesn't because because you can't manage a party a group of like 20 people mm. 
um, and the way that the politics of the game work, it's kind of, you have to sort of seize it a little bit by the horn, the bull by the horns mm. and just take, and just take action. And we try and seed as much information as we can with each player, um, with what we call downtime actions, which is the things that their character does between the games. Mm. And we give large sort of briefs for each player when they come into each game with information they have that's normally good but incomplete mm. and if they hook up with the right other people then they can follow a trail and then they can go somewhere and to solve, solve the plot. That. Yeah. Yeah. plot or solve an issue or preempt something and you can run larp very differently you know i've, I've always said there's like um in, from the time i've spent writing there's there's four different ways you can write LARP events. Um, the first one is what I call the ghost train experience, which is where you just have a set series of things that are going to happen regardless throughout the course of your game. And your players just interact with those things as they show up. And you can set up some really interesting stories, some really interesting like spectacles, but there's not very much agency on behalf of the players. They're just kind of along for the ride. And then you can have what I call the choose your own adventure version of LARP, where it's kind of like a ghost train, except you've got like a choice of three different things <laughs> at a different point. Two of them you die in. Yes. <laughs> there are three different things. I want to go back. Points. I want to go back. I want to go back. Pages. And if you're, very, if you're very smart, you can you can dress it up so people aren't aware that it's a choose your own adventure. Mm. It still functions in the same way. Then you have... Um, and this works very much on the very large systems. You require a lot of players for this. You have what I call the fire and forget system, where you just set up some a scenario and then you do nothing. And you let the vast numbers of players create their own drama against one another. That's... And then you're doing what we are trying to do with our game, which is what we call the, the dynamic game, which is where we don't have any plots we don't have any particular villains. We don't have any particular good guys. We have a world that has it there with people with, with uh, other vampires in it that have their own motivations. And you can choose how you affect that in whatever way you want to affect it. You guys very are very sandbox. And yeah. what, what I was thinking of while you were talking is kind of going to the, like, how would I describe LARPing is role-playing as a DM or D and D or any like tabletop RPG, it's more improv mm -hmm. than it is actual role playing because you are RP in a character. However, it's very casual RP. And your example of it's a sandbox. You have a list of information, and you know you're set free in the world to roam about as you feel free. Uh, is definitely more accurate. You're you're loud. You go, hey, mm -hmm. you get to play pretend. Here's your character. Here's all your information. Pretend to be this character however you see fit. And Seth, Seth, I would say, is one of my, I wouldn't say troublemaker players, but he is, <laughs> he is one of the players who has been doing it for such a long time that he knows how to play play up the, 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 the cards that he's been dealt. Mm. I mean, just recently, I, I threw him a piece of plot where he had um there and they he had this um individual who he had employed as his character that he was uh sponsoring him to compete in a a grand gladiatorial arena 
And I had all of these little things that Seth didn't know about, like these pitfalls that could happen with this guy. And Seth worked all of them out and then <laughs> used them to screw over the guy who was trying to screw him over. Yeah. And basically caused an entire riot within, in, an, in another city where this rival of his was and his rival ended up dead because of it. So what was supposed to be Donovan. something to sabotage Seth, yeah. he was able to work out what it was and he was able to improvise and turn that situation into a means of destroying his own enemy rather than as it was originally intended, which was to humiliate him. So when you guys design these games, because I mean, you, you like you said, this is very we'll call this open world um you, you how many uh staff right correct do you we have, have four members together? of staff okay do you moment. guys all sit together and go hey here is our overall plan or we, is it like yeah. one singular dm um we all coordinate together um we have what's called an hst a head storyteller which is uh, my friend eric um and he kind of is the the guy who like makes decisions when we can't agree on something mm. but we always collaborate between each other um because you can't keep a system like this going if you're not collaborating because the yeah. sandbox breaks down if one person doesn't agree with what someone else has put and they've written in something completely different and and i think it's interesting to, to hear about because different staff act differently um in de depending on the personalities in the room mm. so like when when chris was running the game and i was supporting staff we would have staff meetings chris had a vision what he wanted and we were there to support so like i we we collaborated we thought of plots but like if we didn't bring our a game to the staff meeting it didn't really matter because chris was gonna like he had a vision and already in mind and we were there to make sure like non-player characters were portrayed that our personal plots were pushed and like that we were really making sure it's managing, you know, anywhere's upwards of 20, 25 back in the heyday in the nineties, these games could push a hundred, 120 people. Um, you need to have multiple, you can't have one person. They'll get overwhelmed. Um, so I think it's interesting to hear how Sam does it with Eric because I, I'm as a player now, I'm not privy to the behind the scenes, how the how the sausage is made as it were mm. um anymore so it's kind of it's interesting hearing you know how they work together as a staff and reflecting on how i've i work together as a staff and in the same technically the same game right at the end of the day this game we <laughs> reset the game um so the game has been it's not the, the same characters from when i was staffing aren't around anymore every character has been reset um but it's still the same like game world technically npcs that i created most of them are dead but they still could be out there so it's it's a different campaign but it still takes place in the same realm in the same game world yes. yeah okay yep. so how uh, how long does that typically like a camp you know calling this campaigns because i'm using well, well you see this this was the thing we have when we first they first started running the system um this was a whole new system the binance studio system and they were we were no one was aware of this everyone saw how good and smooth it was but you know it hadn't like been destructively play tested mm. and i think one of the things we discovered as we went along is that the system as written um can result in some immensely insanely powerful player characters 
And as the game got longer and longer, the player characters in the system ended up with levels of capability that like were rivaling like even like you know the godlike characters in the game so the scale of the plot got bigger and bigger and bigger until you had this group of players who um, were affecting the whole world of darkness as a whole and it sort of became a game of epic almost you know epic epic games of chess across the entire globe which was fine but it kind of moved away from what we see as like the core of of vampire which is the sort of small scale city scale like personal horror mm -hmm. won the game. The, yeah the yeah. personal event of the game so we after it had been running for some time um we at the end of uh 2021 we finally put that that epic game to rest after what would have been yeah six seven years mm -hmm. um and we but we didn't Get rid of the history that had been developed by the game so the world of darkness is that we play in is not the same one that you'll find in the world of darkness rule books because many many things have changed in the world so it's your, little, it's your yeah. own homebrew mm -hmm. so your own homebrew and then we've yeah. reset the game last year and we've tweaked some of the things about the system so it's no longer possible to get as insanely powerful as some of our character player characters were before and we've brought it back down to a very personal level but a lot of these sort of what we in, in what you would consider sort of the legendary figures in the world are actually old people's old player characters that's awesome so you so, can't become a god a god kevin that that's out <laughs> <of the laughs> <screen. Level 20. laughs> no no um but you did mention something earlier too that i thought was was kind of neat so this is another thing that makes this game different from like any other tabletop rpg that i've personally played um the game doesn't end like when you guys yeah. end your night and you go home the game doesn't technically end you can still play like my guy's name is miles tapper so i can go and still do stuff as miles as long as i have a social media or some type of you know connection to the other players which you guys have set up you have discord you have yeah. facebook groups you have your, your websites you have you have a plethora of information for people to get in contact with mm -hmm. um and so it's your game can continue as your character and you have stuff that you can do along the thing because you guys meet once a month Yes, and that's a, every, that's a long time. every third Saturday in the month. Yeah. So that's that's a that's a long time between your sessions, if you will. And so you have this capability to continue playing the game when you're not playing the game. You just inform your and uh, you, you form your GMs. Yeah. And you you have a system set up for that. There's and actually a system really built into Binite Studios mm. for that. It, it's called uh, the downtime system. Yeah. Um, and every single character has a number of actions, downtime actions they can take between each game. Mm. And one of them, in some form or another, has to be feeding. Because, you know, vampires got a vampire's got a vamp. So if you don't feed, <laughs> if you don't spend one of those actions feeding, mm -hmm. then the next game you don't have as much blood in your system. So you can't fuel your vampiric abilities as effectively. Um, but beyond just feeding, you can investigate, you can patrol certain areas. And we have this whole system set up in Google Maps, where each player has their own custom Google Map, and they can see 
territories. They can see locations that they've found that seem significant. They can track, we, we help them track what information they have found out and what information they haven't. And then they can cross reference with other players when they meet up. So let me get this straight. I can, I can control personally as Miles Tapper, the Southington Public Library, if I want to. If you want to, yes. There is a system in place for you to take locations and have those locations <laughs> under your mm. control. Yeah. And then we add them to your map and those locations give you certain advantages. Yeah, That's awesome. um, like one of my characters, a personal locations is play compounds. Is it really? <laughs> he took like compounds yeah. over the game. He's a, it's it's he's now a, his sort of base of operations. He's a mobster. So what other kind of place would you want to meet a mobster but amusement park? <laughs> Especially Kevin, one take... with a death rate. <laughs> you're gonna take all the uh the post offices throughout oh, New everything but <laughs> oh, that's, um, that's cool. That's in a New Britain uh, area. Yes, like we, so, we've got guns and computers. It's not, you know, I'm coming from D and D. It's not medieval. It's not. Yes, is it it's more. It's set, at all. Well, what it it was futuristic, um, in in the the game as it, in the previous version of the game. But one of the plot points we have running is that a major event happened in the world that has basically caused technology to regress. So the world that your that your your vampires live in is a is in a pretty desperate state. Like economies are collapsing, technology isn't working properly. The internet is functional, but not reliable. All right, so it's not quite apocalyptic. Yes, it's, it's not, not quite not apocalyptic, pretty. but it's the idea, because the idea was at the end of the last game is there've been two major sort of wars fought between vampires that had happened over the course of like four or five years. And because vampires don't fight wars openly, they fight wars through influence. They use mortals as pawns in games is the idea that basically these wars had exhausted the mortal economies and left the world in a very unpleasant state because vampires couldn't stop killing each other. But we should the... 2020 wasn't caused by a vampire war. <laughs> like I, I just, <laughs> um, but the, the game does take place in like real time. So like, if, it's like 2023 next, in the game. Yeah, the next yeah. game will be March, whatever, 15th or whatever. Is, what is the next game? 18th? Next next game is March 18th. So yeah, so next game is March 18th. So then it would take place March 18th of 2023. That's neat. I like but, that. Yeah. The the game world's 2023 is much more. It's, just, it's much darker yeah. than the 2023. It's, just a, it's, it's just a crappy place to live. It's just a side universe. You know, you're, this is... you're an undead mobster. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. We've talked about the game. We've talked about where it came from. Um, kind of gotten some background on you guys. We've got Kevin here. He's never right. played before. We've got listeners that are going to listen to this mm -hmm. who have never played before. You know, what is your recommendations for them? What kind of like, how would you get into a game like this? Well, my, my, my personal recommendation is don't try and read everything. No. Because it'll <laughs> make your, it, it's, there is so much out there and so much information that it'll make your brain bleed. I started. There's a lot. There's yeah, a lot. Don't. So I recommend playing what's called a neonate character, which is you play a vampire who is pretty recently been made a vampire. So before that, you were a mortal living a normal mortal life. 
and now you're introduced in this world and then your character learns the world as you're learning the world so because you're playing someone new and naive to to the world and you're playing someone who is new and naive to the game then sense. that means you can you don't have to know everything in fact you don't have to know anything except the few basics about your own clan yeah. and what you can do and you can learn about the other clans as you go you can find out in game and that that tends to give a more authentic experience i find because the one of the things you can i'm sure you get this in D as well is when you, you get people who have read every single book every single law book and have memorized every single page of every single book seth and not anymore and the, they, I'm, I'm i'm like that's me for like 3.5 and they will they will write characters that are impossibly intertwined with with the with the with the law mm. to the point you know i mean i remember we had one guy who was Wrote, wrote so many stuff. He he had himself in a relationship with a particular vampire who was one of the most powerful in the entire world. <laughs> Not me. <really>. And <laughs> in his background, and it was like, well, that feels unfair. <laughs> <laughs> and so you so you get those people who try and weave themselves in, but because our game world has diverged so much from the original one, mm. even they're a little lost. Let's let's so simple this for the simple for simple for simplify it. Just play, just play someone who's ignorant. <laughs> how do you? So you have thirteen clans though. Like, how do you choose? Well, there what? are actually we narrow it down because okay. there are multiple different those. There are thirteen clans. There are umpteen bloodlines within those clans, and but we focus on um, one particular. Uh, vampire sect yeah. organization so there's all these different forms of vampire government there's like four different factions in the world mm. um, and we focus in on one the one that considers itself the most civilized mm. um, which is the camarilla and the camarilla only has eight clans that are their members and they're That's still a lot to choose. That's like clans. in D and D, like holy but cow. They they are the the eight clans of the Camarilla are what I would call the easiest of the stereotypes to know. Uh -huh. So I'd say you could quite easily summarize. I said the Bruja, the Bruja are the Lost Boys. Okay, but think of the movie The Lost Boys. Like I said, the Toreador think of Anne Rice vampires. The Nosferatu think of the the silent movie the the ugly freaky kind of vampires <laughs> um the ventru i don't know if there's a necessarily a movie equivalent maybe more the sort of vampires from blade perhaps yeah the ventru, prince prince lacroix from prince lacroix uh, from the game from vampire bloodlines the, the, ven, ventru. the ventru are the nobility of the what vampires. about the uh, the one with sam neil and william defoe and uh he, William Defoe was a human in it, but Sam Neill was a vampire, and like Sam, vampires had taken over the world, and humans were going extinct. Oh my god, I can't believe the, I'm the only one that saw this movie. It sounds wonderful. <laughs> it sounds great. It was horrible. It was terrible. It, it was a horrible movie. It, it, it sounded good. It was like it had great names. Uh, it had. Uh, oh my gosh, he was just in Moon Knight. He was the villain. Um, oh my god, 
what was his name? Steve I'm thinks a... about that. So yeah, I'm a new player. Um, there's a character sheet like D&D. You pick your uh, clan, like a class, mm -hmm. and you have spe you have abilities, you have flaws, you have merits, which can empower or weaken your character to make him more personalized. Mm -hmm. um, so you work through the website and the basic stuff. I make a character sheet I bring with me. What can I expect to see at the game? At the game, we would you would the, the games are always held as uh, what you'd call either a parlor or an Elysium, which is a place where vampires can gather in their own in their their, their domain, which is set in New Britain. This game, and they will they will gather under the the call of the of the vampire authority of the area, which is called the Prince. So the prince, we're, the prince controls the domain absolutely. So you, first thing you will probably do as a player is you will be introduced to the prince, and the prince will expect you to show proper reverence in order to allow you to become a a member of the domain. And then after you've been introduced to the prince, then you can interact with the other players and the other NPCs, and you can start to find out who your who who your other clan mates are or who could possibly be an ally and who is someone that you think you should probably avoid. You start to role play. And then that's when you can start exploring the plots that are all running around the city. And we give each new player a briefing pack. So they've got some hooks of their own to, to get into. So I, I gave Steve a few different things that he could get to. It's a very gratuitous statement by saying it's a briefing pack. That thing was very, you did a lot of detail. And, and you, I wanted, ladies and gentlemen, I, I have to give Sam credit here. Like, seriously, going to boost your ego tonight because you came up with all this stuff pretty much on the fly because it was probably about a week, if not less than a week <laughs> before my actual game, our first, the, my first game that you wrote pages not, not not a page pages of information about my character my sire's character my history my other stuff that i can't let seth know uh, <laughs> and then afterwards after in my downtime you gave a plethora of information there too uh, we yes. we give everybody gets that Oh, everyone gets that. And this is a, a GM uh, writing a new character into the story, basically. Well, well, you create the character. So, like, sure. Steve created his character. He created the ideas. What I gave Steve was an idea of um, his sire, i.e., the vampire that made him. Hmm. And then I gave him. He said, "Okay, well, I want connections with this particular clan." So I gave him a named character who is already known in the game. So a lot of what I was giving Steve was not me writing bespoke. It was stories and plot lines that already exist in the sandbox of our game. Right. And I was giving Steve a connection into that sandbox so, so that he has an anchor. So he doesn't just tutorial to yeah, get started. So he doesn't just walk in blind with nothing, <laughs> nothing to back him up. I, I think All it's... Right. Um, back to like what should you do before you and sam giving giving the advice to be ignorant and playing a character that's ignorant i think an important advice is that you should probably have an idea of who you are as the character mm -hmm. like you should have like an idea even an idea like 
a murder true crime podcast or like <laughs> even something like that, which is fine. It's great. I love it. Um, but even something like what do you if you're interested in playing vampire, you're probably interested in role playing. So you probably have an idea of what role you want to play as. Mm -hmm. And I always recommend two new players make the human first and then layer in the vampire. And even to go so far as don't always make a don't think of don't think of uh, the clan as a class because sometimes the best characters are characters that don't fit with the clans. So like you make a character that's like this guy is, you know, like maybe he's very much like a Bruja, but maybe he got poached by the Ventru or got poached by, you know, and, and the Ventru embraced him instead. So now he's this rabble rousing Ventru and it's very atypical and it makes it a more a unique experience. Sometimes that does come with uh, experience of the game as well. Like I wouldn't necessarily tell you to not play something traditional for your first character. I would say maybe stick to more traditional um, lanes when you're making your first character. But it's definitely something where I I tend to when I think of my characters even today, I'll be like, what kind of character do I want to play, and then what clan would that like that character makes sense being and i actually not necessarily screwed myself but in my current character i'm playing an eighth generation character who's considered an elder however the game rules say you have to be eighth generation and you have to be 300 years old or older to be actually an elder by politics and i wanted my character to be a historical person who was born a specific date and time because they're a real person. So I said, I want to be that person. And they were born in 19, like 1901, could not live 300 years. So because I decided to be that person in history, which was my decision to make, Sam did say you have to play this character. But because I did that, I am actually in the game having negative consequences because I'm not considered an elder because I decided to make that in my background to be, but I did it will like understanding the rules. Like I was like, I'm going to end up having this disadvantage, but I, it makes a unique character yeah. um, and plays into that character. Why he, his motivation, one of of like a the blend of motivations that kind of drives that character along yeah you because you, you want to it does it is something you want to think of like a very rounded character something that's very three-dimensional in your head mm -hmm. someone who you have motivations and ideas for um in order to to to, to give them drives and to give them goals and, and, with the, the and then the nice part about having like sam as a storyteller is you could write these detailed backgrounds give them to sam and sam will just churn out more plot like it's sometimes you don't want to necessarily tell sam like your secret much, lover that yeah. you had when you were <laughs> back in the because i will exploit it because yeah. it will it'll exploit it so but it makes a you then it, then every game the more you tell sam the more you give the staff of night newing and nightmares the more you will get out because it, the more the game will feel like it's designed around you which ultimately 
it's not it's designed around a bunch of people but <laughs> it it makes it more of a living world it becomes more personable for you it exactly more of an yeah, immersive yeah. experience 100%. and it, it's it's fun and like i said i i had i'm not gonna lie when i first when i came out it came in there and i'm like yeah i this is not DD at all no and even setting up my character sam was like how are you doing i said i'm failing horribly because i have no idea what i'm doing i've set up <laughs> quite literally i can look on my DD beyond i have 357 different characters that i've Jeez. created i can do a character in like three minutes <laughs> don't, don't even blink an eye and i sat down and i looked at that first stat and i was like "Ooh, i don't know what i'm doing uh but you guys have a really great team and it it's it seems like you guys are you guys are very much devoted you very much love this game mm -hmm. we do and you bring that tlc to it and you bring that camaraderie and like I said, I, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And but once I started warming up, it, it was fun and I had a blast. I, I got to do some stuff and, you know, play my character the way I thought my character was because, you know, my character, I, I kind of made him like me. I'm like, he's semi savvy with computers. He should be. He has a, co a, po a podcast and I made a tinfoil. I get. You know, I've been down to pick up something. I start asking, what's my deductible at this point in age? <laughs> so, you know, I made my character that way and it, it was fun. It was fun seeing how my character would interact with stuff and how it interacted with the, the other players. And you guys were there to help me. And that was fun. And so nothing but props to you guys. Um, really, you know, is there is there anything else that you would recommend? As a, like a last kind of like statement so for I have not only my playing yeah, go ahead. game, but I haven't LARPed before. What kind of etiquette can I expect? Am I allowed to break character and ask um, questions and talk you, to people? You can ask, you can break character and ask questions. That happens a lot. Um, the one one thing I recommend just on top is 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 some kind of costume. Now that doesn't because it's modern era. That doesn't mean you have to like spend eight hundred dollars. <laughs> on an on a on a specific like time period outfit but just wear something that makes you feel like the guy you're playing yeah okay and wear That's, it regularly yeah where you know and wear, make it your you you could make it your uniform yes. like you can and wear it every game because what's nice is about what's nice is wearing the same thing every single game is that people will begin to know your character and who you are playing. So if Steve continues to wear what he was wearing the first game that he played, people will go, oh, are you playing Miles? And which if you end up not liking your character and you decide to play a different character, if you just dramatically change your costuming, people will say, who are you playing now? And <laughs> you'll say like, oh, I'm somebody new. And you can play a new character. And I, I don't have any like, if you if people end up not liking their characters in the first few months, especially new players, if you don't like your character, just play Change somebody else. That. Yeah, <laughs> Change it. There's no, Change there's it, no problem yeah. with that at all. Um, it doesn't need to be um, a cape and fangs and eyeliner. No, no, no. Uh, it's just, I mean, you're playing a Nosferatu. So uh, I would say the easiest thing you can do, because Nosferatu all live in the sewers and they all generally look like crap. So... <laughs> Grab yourself some old clothes that you don't use anymore. Buy something cheap from Goodwill. Um, get yourself some duct tape. Um, shred those clothes and then put them back together with the duct tape. 
<laughs> and that's, that's your easiest trick way of looking like an Osferati. No. Is you look like it's something you pulled out of a dumpster and you put together with <laughs> with duct tape and thick thread. So, and then I'd... then take those clothes and stomp them into the dirt in your backyard. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this though, I did wear vampire things when I went because I thought you guys were supposed to. And I, I got some. And they were so sharp. Dude, these things were so sharp. They were actually stabbing into my lips. And I came in. I was like, look, guys, I wore vampire fangs. I'm taking them out because they're really hurting. I couldn't even make it the three minutes from my house. That's why we don't tend to actually. Yeah. (laughs) And well, they're retractable in game. There's an in-game reason for it. They actually, in-game, they are retractable. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, that that hurts so bad, too. Like, I still have PTSD Mm -hmm. on my lips. (laughs) But, you know, like I, I have a, um, and so costuming really helps. That really yeah. helps you get into, into the mindset. That really helps you get into the, the steady state of game. Um, one thing that Steve did ask me that he was very confused by, which was, we don't have any dice. Yeah, there are no dice are. at the game. The, all of the system is based around playing rock, paper, scissors. So when you get involved in a situation, you have certain stats and skills on your sheet that you add together um, to make what's called a test pool. And then you throw a player game of rock, paper, scissors with either the other player or with the, the storyteller or the NPC to get the effect you want. And depending on whether you win, tie or lose, you get different results. All right. So that's how we add in the random factor. So, you know, you don't need to bring, bring your shiniest dice. <laughs> I mean, anyway, you just got to work out how to play. Apparently, I'm a good ST to, um, to, to, to play scenes I, with because yeah. I'm, 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 I'm told I have a predictable pattern. I'm the opposite <laughs> with you, Sam. I'm like on the off set. For, so whenever I'm in a scene with Sam, my objective is to not to throw challenges because I know I'll lose <laughs> because I always decide to throw the thing that everyone else is not throwing. And, but uh, we yeah it's it's funny it's it's interesting though um there is an, an there's some organizations um that actually are national so new england nightmares is a troop game but mm. there are organizations there's one called one world they play an older system of the game um but they're national and i used to travel uh to go to visit other games in other states so i would go out to like i went to vegas for a convention i went to all these different places and people like we used to joke like people in the mid-atlantic region threw rock paper scissors differently than we did so they would throw on the two instead of the three and it was just like so weird when we would go interact with them we'd have to be like what do we play new england rules or mid-atlantic rules before we started throwing challenges because people could blow a challenge if they throw it too early or throw it too late so it was just like so fascinating to see like interact with people throughout the country and how people because Mm -hmm. you know people we play rock paper scissors a certain way up here Mm -hmm. um but like those in like california or florida they may throw earlier they may throw later like they go one two shoot and we do one two three shoot and just like stuff like that so one two three shoot so you sort of be clear you throw on shoot not on three yeah on shoot yeah one two three shoot shoot. (laughs) and everyone else Uh, in the world that's the right way to play i don't yes but no not uh, not in the middle atlantic region so those maryland people they they throw on two 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever thought about like getting the the rock paper scissor dice, or is it just so implemented in you that you're like, well, I the, can't you, give this up? You, you can't always guarantee you're going to be next to a surface where there's where you can roll dice. Touche. Mm. That's so. fair. That makes sense. <laughs> There are those um, people do have cards sometimes, so they're um, nervous about the, the you know they're nervous about throwing you know like the human f- errors that can happen when throwing a lot of challenges. So they'll be like, oh no, I use playing cards or something, so they're marked up rock paper scissors, so they shuffle that to be more random. But mm. um, that's the that's the most I've seen people do differently is the cards, which is infrequent. I mean. To be honest, what's lazier than just bring in your hands? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to pack a million other things that I got to bring for game. I can't be like, oops, forgot my playing cards. Know, I'm, I'm a dice goblin over here. Daddy's got to get his fix. You know, I, I, I need the clickety clack. Yeah, it's a whole different type of role play. <laughs> we always um, joke that there's uh, there's role play and then there's role play. <laughs> and the other thing I'd, I'd recommend you kind of start um to to do with is don't like i said don't try and read everything because there's 25 different what are called vampiric disciplines which are the different types of vampiric powers just learn the ones that you have on your sheet yeah don't even read all of them don't even read the other ones (laughs) don't even concern yourself just learn the ones so each clan has three what's called in clan disciplines which are the sort of signatory powers that that vampire vampire has so like your your clan Stephen has um heightened perceptions they have the ability to move incredibly quickly it's called celerity and they have the ability to manipulate the emotions of others that's called presence whereas in contrast your your clan you're going to be playing kevin is um has the ability to become invisible um has supernatural strength and the ability to control and communicate with animals. So you can have like armies of sewer rats at your command. Yeah. (laughs) And you are able to hide in plain sight and skulk around and and avoid humans who can't look at you because you're too ugly. That's that's the goal. I'm I'm thinking some kind of spy class. You could be a spy or a brawler. You can be a spy or it can be a brawler. The Nosferatu can, yeah, they're thing. big like information network. They're, so they're, they're known they're... for like trading. They're also they're also very loyal to each other because you know they're all they're all the one they're all stuck in the the, We're the all sewer. together. They're all like <laughs> the Nosferatu, whereas other clans don't quite have the same trust between them and, oh. and can have more of a tendency to backstab each other. Whereas the Nosferatu mm. are very like we are family kind of thing. Um <sighs> the Whereas the Toyota are all artists, so they they can be a little competitive. And <laughs> I'm feeling shots. So I'm feeling a little targeted over here, man. I don't know, man. <laughs> um, whereas Seth plays one of the the, the royalty, the Ventru, yes. and they but have can... they have power the power to directly command mortals to do something. So the the traditional vampire, they look into someone's eyes, they say, "Do this," and the mortal does it. And they also have the same ability to manipulate emotions and they also have supernatural resilience. So they're very difficult to kill. And in each clan has like a, that, a trio that sort of define their, 
their idiom, but within that you can play whatever you want with those particular oh, okay. powers. And there is combat, your character can die in game? Um, your character can die, but the whole point is it's very difficult okay. for you to die because you are an immortal vampire. Even if like you get riddled with bullets, you you fall into sort of a death-like state from which you can recover. Give it enough time. Like yeah. you have, to, someone has to really mean it to kill you, or you know, <laughs> you get stuck in sunlight. Those <laughs> you're either really, really hard to kill, or like, yeah, that yeah, wasn't difficult yeah. at all. Oh, I like my keys inside. That's it. Yeah, damn. Yeah. Those there's there's vampires who know how to kill other vampires. <laughs> They'll figure out how to kill you quick. Awesome. Um, but generally, um, yeah, we, it's, we don't it's put difficult. emphasis on player death. Yes, the it's, it's not because a it's not a the, player versus player environment. Because the the, fun, uh, the whole the whole concept is about the fact that you live forever, hmm. and how that's actually a pretty horrible thing. That's right. Awesome, and and that's so so you you will face consequences for your actions, but it's very seldom that we actually have a player die because of their actions. You have to be insanely stupid, <laughs> or to do something <laughs> insanely <laughs> stupid to die in our game. <laughs> Man, feeling really excited. targeted tonight. Or, or piss off somebody. <laughs> or piss off somebody incredibly powerful. And, yeah. Man, man, feeling really targeted tonight, guys. I'm feeling really targeted. No, 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 no. You haven't done anything insanely <laughs> stupid yet. My character likes <laughs> No, you. not yet. Give me time. Kevin's <laughs> going to be there with me next week. <laughs> uh, my, my character likes yours, character yeah, Steve, so far. No, I, I built some great, con- I built some great connections. I, uh, so I built a, I, I did a good thing for you and yeah. made some buddies and i'm helping out some other characters and it's 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 it was fun it really was it was a it's it is a different experience i will say this though it is a, it was a different experience something i think i think everybody in, in nerd culture and if, if you're remotely curious about role-playing games give it a shot it was absolute blast to do do it one or two times that way you get the full-fledged experience because i don't think anybody doing it one time is going to have the true experience. Yes, you, you've got to find your feet. Yes, absolutely. Game, I think. Yeah. So. And so it was, it's definitely something worth trying out and giving it a shot. And, you know, as we're talking about that, where can the good people out there, you know, where can people find you guys? You know, well, as, as Seth said, we, we have a website at the moment. It's nenm.club or New England Nightmares.club in acronym form. Um, and there is summaries of information on there that you can find. We also, and you can get in contact with us um, on, via the website. Uh, and then we also have a Discord server that we can invite you to once you reach out, once you reach out to us. You, you and then we also have our, Sam directly. You can friend Just... request me directly. I'm on <laughs> Facebook. Um, and there we, we also have a Facebook page. Again, if you look for New England Nightmares on Facebook, we have a page there as well um we haven't done instagram or twitter or anything like that because you know it's a, it's a bit of a niche audience for that sort of broad well you don't want to take a bunch of selfies and put up them like yeah no or... surprisingly not everybody wants this <laughs> wants selfies of them in their vampire outfits up uh, kevin we got this we'll do it right we'll we'll be the we'll be the selfie vampires <laughs> we'll be, yeah we'll be the vampire social media presence yeah, there you go um no, but seriously, thank you guys so much for being on the show. Uh, I think this is the perfect spot to wrap this up. Uh, you guys have been 
absolutely amazing. This is, like I said, it was an absolute blast. And I'm, I'm excited. I, I get to have, you know, Kevin come and join us. So uh, we're reaching out. We're grabbing more people. Ladies and gentlemen, like I said, come out, try this out, especially if you're in the, you know, the Connecticut area. If you're in the Southington area specifically, yep. come check out ours. This, this one is an absolute blast to come play with. These people were great. And we, um, we, we play at the Mason, the Mason Lodge, and we play on the third Saturday. And we start around, I would say, like, what, seven o'clock, Sam? The doors open at six. So you can come in, you can start socializing. And we intend to, we, we, we always intend to start game around seven. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm, I'm at the bar Buff till seven. seven, so. Buff seven. <laughs> and then we go, we go terrible. until, well, officially we go until like 1 a.m. Uh, but sometimes guys, we go we sometimes we go beyond that if we have I've people who are there hard, hardcore yeah, but a lot of people still... will scoot out early if they've got a longer <laughs> drive or anything but um but yeah stuff can we have we have had the you game can... run up to 2 a.m you could before, stay yeah. as long as you want steve you don't oh have my... to stay for the whole thing stuff does no, keep happening you can I, no, leave I just so you don't get it. in trouble no no i just couldn't believe because i was like I left at 11 and I was like, man, I am tired. And I'm like, I got to get up because my twins, dude, let me tell you what, those monsters wake up at like 530 to six. Like that is their window of like, I don't have to have an alarm. I just listen for dad, dad, because, you know, they'll just stay in their bedroom until we, I come open the door or something or come check them out. And but yeah, so like, oh man, I can't imagine doing that till Good for you guys. Good for you guys. There's <laughs> uh, only one. I can only stay up at, like on one weekend a month. I spend the other three weekends recovering from staying now up. Under, that now time. it all makes sense. We only do this once a month. Why? Because we're old. All right. Yes. Sure. <laughs> I, I, I have to. I generally try to leave by like midnight because I have a two hour drive. So I don't get yeah, home. You're a beast and yeah. a half. So I just, I, I sometimes very okay. I have occasionally have convinced people to do to come down with me which it makes the trip easier yeah. but uh that's tough to also convince somebody to be like hey do you want to spend four hours in the car and <laughs> play uh make-believe with some strangers <laughs> in Southington for another six for, hours, for yeah. another six hours <laughs> and you want to dedicate half your day and possibly die in a car ride somewhere <laughs> along the line uh it's a tough sell it's a tough sell i, I can you know what props you for that first off props you for that second you, you sold that to your wife uh, no i can't it was i was part of the package oh that was part of the package like, <laughs> yeah she still lets you, she's like you're still driving four I hours still do it yeah she, it's i used to run it so like i was like oh i do That's this i have to go because i'm you, like buddy. admin but for the last well, uh, yeah, last four years now I've just been playing, which is which is fine. But that means I don't have a staff meeting I have to go to. So that's one day, <laughs> one day back. But yeah, no, it's, it's part of the whole shtick. Does she but roll her eyes when you walk out the door? Like, there you no, go. She loves it because it's oh, time. It's yeah, it's quiet. Like, I'm not there bothering her. So like she's she actually she's because this is March. So PAX is incoming. Yes, and, it is. Uh, I uh, she's like, oh, I can't wait for you to go to PAX. <laughs> she's like you're up my butt we work mostly from home anyway so yeah, no, I get we're, it. we're together a lot and, uh, and we do not have any children so that together time is <laughs> with just us there's another sales pitch if you need a break from your significant other for a little bit send them to go play vampires the masquerade for right. six to seven hours yes. there you go that is a great pitch i need a break seven hours go do stuff have fun 
so guys thank you so much for being on the show so let's go ahead and wrap this up on our end as always please like subscribe and follow us wherever you listen to podcasts and if you are listening to us on apple or spotify please remember to rate and review also on instagram and facebook so please like and follow us at dna pod or on our twitter page nerd dna pod or on our website nerddnapod.com i'm your host steve who i have been joined with my wonderful co-host Kevin Bobbins. I have been joined by the wonderful, the impeccable, the classic gaming brother. That's right. The better looking of the two. Thank Seth. you. <laughs> Make sure Zach, Zach hears know. this one. Yeah, definitely <laughs> let him know. And then as her, her charming and wonderful connoisseur of the dark lore that is the Vampire's Masquerade. Sam, sir, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having us. It's been great. Yes, thank you. Yeah, it was great. And uh, yeah, it was good. I'm always happy to be on the DNA pod. Hell yeah. Uh, so, guys, seriously, go check these guys out. Um, without further ado, thank you and good night.